Hello and welcome to another episode of Wonderful Flowing Backwards. And as ever, we're here to entertain you. Um, this episode is um, another one of the uh, covered in moss things. Um, it's about songs that Ian's covered over the years. So, sit back, relax. And enjoy the spectacle that is Ian Moss. Hello. One, two, three, four. Poverty should be history, but it's no mystery why it's not. The greedy rob the needy of everything they've got. Poverty should be banished. There's enough for us to share, but industrial powerhouse nations about poor ones, they don't care. They want to feast on blood. This is the planet of sharks. Believe you're sucking up mud. They're dead-eyed with cold hearts. This is the planet of sharks. This is the planet of sharks. All hail to the great corporations. Just watch as they expand, using up the Earth's resources, creating barren lands. All hail to the mighty dollar. Who needs Noah's Ark? Sing lustily the national anthems. That's a different question marks. Poverty should be exterminated. But there is no political will. National pride and paranoia dominate us still. Poverty, it should be gone, along with famine and war. But capitalism, it points a gun and it keeps people poor. They extract sweat and blood. They keep us in the dark. They've never done a thing that's good. This is the planet of sharks. This is the planet of sharks. Hello, people. Uh, that was um, a lyric for a song that I wrote yesterday because um, uh, hopefully we can start rehearsing as, as a band. Four Candles can start rehearsing next month. And uh, we're going to take the bold step of uh, ripping up everything that we've done previously and tossing it away into the dustbin and starting afresh with a year zero approach. So we need new material. So that's one of uh, the things that we're going to uh, going to do. We're going to all get younger and uh, and more handsome and become as um, don't know as as big as take that or something. That's our plan. World domination. Young and slim, yes. Um, on with the show after that. Um, we are talking, as, as you know, and if you've listened to the last couple of episodes, about a series of songs uh, that over the course of my 40 years of playing gigs and recording um, that I've sung written by other people. Uh, stop talking specifically about Self and started talking about other people's music. So we find ourselves in um, the mid 80s. I suppose this is about 1986. It's easy to, um, to check exactly when, because I will tell you, because in the month 
that I recorded the first song that we're going to play, which is Baby Strange by T-Rex. The Smiths split up. Now, the Smiths were probably the most uh, revered band in the country at the time. And uh, I'd gone into the studio to do some recording. And uh, the month before I'd, I'd gone in there, I'd been in the Hacienda and I'd bumped into um, Mike Joyce, who was the drummer in the Smiths, and said, Mike, I'm going in the studio doing some, you know, some work. Will you come and drum for me? And he'd said, love to, fantastic. Um, but I need to ask Johnny Marr and... And, and, and I, don't, I don't think this is, so it's not the shock that it would have been then. And that Stratford dickhead was uh, was the way that he, um, he referred to uh, Stephen Patrick Morrissey. Anyway, he said, he said he'd got to ask those two, his bosses, whether it was okay. And um, they indeed okayed it. And so uh, I assembled a fabulous, a fabulous band to go into the studio. Um, there was Mike on the drums. I had my friend um, Jed uh, on bongos. Um, I had Simon Taylor, who re referred to on rhythm guitar. Mark Riley from the Fallen Creepers and the BBC on lead guitar and keyboards. Um, Mike, Mike Gallagher, Mike Gallagher. Uh, a saxophonist who played in the Creepers and with Frank Sidebottom's Core Blimey Big Band on saxophone, obviously. Uh, my brother Neil from the Frantic Elevators played bass guitar and I um, sang. Uh, unfortunately, uh, which was often my, my flaw at the time, my downfall was often alcohol. And um, I, I did get, I drank a bottle of whiskey while we recorded. Uh, the session, and you can tell it in the voice. It's got that horrible sort of bellicose sort of horribleness about it. So um, despite having everything going um, in terms of personnel, I did rather mess up the opportunity. Um, but anyway, um, we cut Baby Strange um, by T-Rex, which everybody loved, and it was great. And I, and, and I spoke to Mike Joyce after I said, and Mike, this was, this, you should treat this as a trial run. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I want to play something. And I then played him um, Slow Death by the Flaming Groovies. And I, I said, what I want to do next time is record this, but I want you to fetch um, Johnny Marr to play the guitar on, on this one. Uh, and he said, Ooh. He said, Johnny would love this. That sounds absolutely great. And we went off and, and that was that. Um, but then um, between recording and mixing the next week, uh, Mike had been sort of drip feeding us information on, on how things were with the Smiths. And between the two dates, Johnny Marr uh, quit and effectively split up the band although they didn't know that for a few weeks they did um at one point try and continue without him which was a sort of ludicrous proposition really uh but anyway let's listen to uh t-rex baby strange from the slider absolutely brilliant
There was a memorial concert in Manchester at the Library Theatre um, performed by Nico, once of the Velvet Underground, um, for uh, the memory of Andy Warhol, who'd recently died. And uh, it was great. It was a wonderful setting for for Nico. And um, it was all very poignant. It was beautiful. There's, there's clips of it that are available on film. There's a great clip of a performance, Janitor of Lunacy, and she's fabulous. But anyway, um, I was there, and it was lovely. But while I was there, as is the case, you know, I'm, I was always bumping into people, and I bumped into Peter Hook uh, of New Order, who, uh, alongside the Smiths, were probably the most credible band in the country. So I said, okay, 
I want to do some recording. Do you fancy playing bass on it? And he said, not a problem. Fine. So um, we sorted that out. We, this time we'd recorded the, the track with Mike in a studio in, in Denton. Um, but at this stage, Hooky had bought um, studios in what's Cargo Studios in Rochdale. Mm -hmm. And uh, he'd, he'd call it Sweet 16. And so we we were booked into Sweet 16 to go and record. So with the Smiths uh, ended, I spoke to, to Mike and said, you know, do you want to come and do this? This might be really good for you. You know, a rhythm section of, of you and Hockey, um, you know, it, it, it sort of keep you, it makes a contact for you for one thing. And, you know, it's just, it just, the possibilities um, seemed appealing. Anyway, Mike was fine about playing the thing, but all of a sudden, harsh reality had stepped into his life. Um, with the Smiths gone, his wage had gone. And um, he, he asked me for a very modest session fee. He, he asked me for 40 quid, um, which at the time I, I could easily have afforded to pay Mike 40 quid, but it sort of went against uh, the ethos and principle of the thing. And so I said, no, Mike, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't start doing doing that, paying certain people and not paying other people. Uh, it doesn't sit right with me. Um, and so we went into the studio this time with Paul Hanley from The Fall on the drums, again with um, with Mark Riley and Simon Taylor, and with Hooky on the bass rather than my brother. And we cut um, five tracks. Uh, obviously, because we're not a working band, we're not... You know, we'd not rehearsed and not done much in the way of writing. So we, so I, I basically gave everybody cassettes of songs that I wanted to cover. So we did, um, I Can Only Give You Everything, um, which everybody has recorded. Some of, it's one of my favourite records by some of my favourite groups, Them recorded it, the Trogs recorded it, the MC5 recorded it, and then we recorded it. Um, there was also uh, Would You Believe we recorded, which I knew from Lord Such and Heavy Friends album. And the third track slips my mind. But the fourth track was a song written by Lou Reed and John Cale. Um, from Lou Reed's um, stint as a staff writer um, for Pickwick Records. And it had originally been released as a single by the All Night Workers. Uh, it's a sort of slow, neo-soul thing. But the version I had heard, I'd bought an album by the Downliners sect, who'd recorded a very... Velvet Underground-esque version of said song, uh, which is titled uh, Why Don't You Smile Now? Uh, fabulous song. And we did that, and we, um, Simon and I had, had a song that we, we uh, wrote, you know, and performed in the studio of our own. 
and we did these things and then John Langford from the Mekons came and um, and mixed it up and it was really good um, but, but somehow we we kind of just limped away and and never got it released uh, I'm sure so I'm sure those people people would have followed themselves to release this thing with these uh, with an all-star lineup like this there were rumors actually in the music press about it Mark Riley had just released uh, an album with the Creepers. Uh, I think it might have been rock and roll licorice flavor. And he was doing uh, sort of press interviews. And while he was doing them, the journalist was saying, what's this about this super group in Manchester that you're you're involved in with Peter Hook and, and Mike Joyce? <laughs> and I might have said quite honestly, there is no super group. It's, we're just mates. We're just just helping our mate Moe out, just doing some stuff. And they're going, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. But it was uh, it was the truth. Anyway, let's listen not to the all-night workers version of Why Don't You Smile Now, but the far superior version by the Downliners sect. Five years, I did nothing uh, music related. I produced no music. Um, I just lost my mojo, lost my confidence, and um, eventually another ex-member of the Creepers, uh, Eddie, uh, lured me into a studio that he'd built under his under his house to try out the equipment. And that turned into um, a, a, a 12 month long project where we recorded an album 
as the stepbrothers, uh, myself, Eddie, and um, John Gill, who was kind of um, studio wizard and deputy uh, Mekon. We had some assistance from, from a pair of Mekons, from uh, Lou Edmonds and Tom Greenalch as well. They came and, and did some, some stuff. But it was all self-written. There were no cover versions. And unfortunately, the end of that 12 months, life intervened. Uh, my dad died very suddenly and uh, sort of uh, tragically. And my mother was very vulnerable and took it very bad. And um, what spare time I had, I, um, I decided that I needed to look after my mum, basically. And so my music um, went on hold and it became a long-term hiatus. Um, I did nothing at all for, for years. This, what are we talking about here? Da, 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 93 till somewhere around 2003. And I found myself in... Uh, a record shop in Hyde, Cheshire, um, famous for its um, serial killers, uh, for Ian Brady and Myra Hindley and Harold Shipman, um, rather than its music. Um, but uh, whilst I was in the record shop, um, there was a fella came in uh, putting up posters advertising uh, gigs that were taking place at the Witchwood uh, in Ashton on the Line, which at the time was a, a pretty good venue. You know, the likes of um, Will Cole Johnson would play there and The Fall played there. You know, uh, also, you know, that sort of calibre of act. I remember Greg, uh, not Greg Lake, Carl Palmer of Emerson Lake and Palmer playing there, which seemed ludicrous. You know, this man who'd played all these huge stadiums at, at the height of his career and had his own private jet um, ro rolling up to play at the Witchwood in Ashton and Line. But as I say, it, that was the sort of place it was. Ground dogs as well, I remember seeing there. Excellent. Uh, anyway, the promoter was sticking up his posters. The promoter um, was a man called Pod, or rather than Pod, he was called P-O-D, uh, which was... Um, an abbreviation of Prince of Darkness. Um, and Prince of Darkness said to me, oh, hello, Moe. He said, I've heard, been hearing whispers about you. And I said, what is that, Prince of Darkness? And he said, I've heard that the hamsters are reforming. And I laughed at him out of hand. I, I don't think I'd spoken to Stephen, for instance, for several years at that point. And he said, no, no. Absolutely ludicrous, not a chance, no way. But he said to me as a passing shot, he said, if for out, out of any chance it comes to pass, please offer me the opportunity to promote the gig. I'd love to put on a hamster's gig. And it, as happens, it's, uh, it sows a seed, doesn't it? It sets uh, trains of thought off into motion. And... So uh, I mentioned it to Bobby, who quite rightly I should do, and said, you know, I've been offered this, um, this gig, a hamster's gig. Are you tempted to do it? 
And he said, yeah, I suppose so. I said, I'm tempted too, but I don't want Stephen to do it, which sounds mean. But remember, Stephen um, was a violent heroin addict, um, which, which is a problem. Um, so Andy had a stroke, um, which meant that he couldn't drum. So what to do with him anyway? So uh, then asked John um, if he would be interested. And again, he was interested because Steve wasn't wasn't to be taking part. And uh, and 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 so we were sort of halfway there. The thing that had to be addressed, of course, is going doing the gig with the hamsters. I then had to go and tell Stephen. And it was um, it was akin to shooting Bambi. I've never seen a man so crushed by rejection, and um, and so by the time the meeting was over, um, I'd kind of uh, abandoned my hostile stance against him participating and um, co-opted him into the band as a keyboard player. Of course, he didn't have a keyboard. Um, I had to buy a keyboard for him, which at some point uh, in the rehearsal project, he sold for drugs. So he, he couldn't be a keyboard player, so he became a second vocalist. Um, but anyway, Stephen was in. Well, as I said, he'd had, a, he'd had a stroke. We assembled to rehearse, and there was only John uh, could play. Bobby hadn't played for years, and um, large chunks of it, uh, he'd simply forgotten. He was really rusty, so we needed bolstering. So so we hired, um, when I say hired, we didn't pay them. Um, we recruited um, two musicians to, to bolster the sound, um, uh, Damien and, and Nigel. Um, and, and we set about rehearsing. We, we agreed a, a date at the Witchwood, the Hamsters, da, 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 Legends, and all that. Uh, we agreed a date, mm. and we set about rehearsing, uh, which was not easy. Um, but some, sometimes it was fun, sometimes it wasn't. And we tried to put a set together, um, and there were arguments about that. And we sort of stumbled along, and we were playing without a support act, and we were going to play two sets. So we decided to introduce some cover versions into uh, our repertoire. So the obvious one, the first one that I wanted us to do, was Worst Band in the World by 10CC. Unfortunately, uh, we couldn't play it which is sort of ironic, really, isn't it? Um, but we we did introduce songs into the set. We introduced uh, another of my old favourites, Open Up by Mungo Jerry, which I sort of really liked. It's sort of swampy, and I liked that. Uh, we rehearsed The Message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, which was uh, hilarious. Um our approximation of this sort of uh, New York groove with me um, taking the place of Grandmaster Melly Mel 
as a as head rapper. Uh, we didn't play that on the night. It was it was too it was too scary a prospect. Well, one we did play um, with with huge reluctance from John's part because he find, finds it silly and an affront to his musicianship, and he thinks it's the worst song ever written. Uh, and I love it. Uh, was uh, Sid Barrett's bike from Pink Floyd's Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Anyway, we, we went and we played the gig and it was horrific. Um, Stephen had been fairly well behaved right up to an hour before the gig. And then he um, filled himself full of cocaine to abate his fear and became this raving, hostile lunatic uh, dressed as Fu Manchu. And during the gig, he was um, dedicating songs to his drug dealers and uh, threatening, threatening me. Not that I was frightened of him, but I was frightened of the fact that he, um, up his Fu Manchu outfit, up the sleeve of it, he had a machete, um, which is a bit disconcerting. Anyway, it ended up in utter chaos with Stephen and his drug dealer friends um, fighting against the bouncers while I tried to negotiate uh, our fee with the management. Uh, which is a bit bare-faced, really, isn't it? I didn't get paid. I didn't get what we were supposed to get, but I did get paid, which was uh, which was amazing, really. And, uh, and and then I went and gave people people money. I remember giving Stephen some money. And at this point, after threatening me and wielding his machete all night, he hugged me and said, that was the greatest night of my life. No, I'm so proud. And I just thought, you fucking maniac. Uh, and and I went and I went and got drunk somewhere, and uh, and then I didn't see him again for four years at least. I'd, I'd no interest in seeing Stephen anyway. So anyway, that was the story of um, the Hamsters' fabled reunion. Um, so let's play the songs. Let's play the song John hates most in the world first. Bike. By Pink Floyd. I've got a bike. You can ride it if you like it. Got basket spells and rings and things that make it look good. There you are, John. And uh, Open Up by Mungo Jerry. Boom, 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 boom. Here we go. Thank you. 
So after the hamsters, I woke up with an enormous hangover and was quite happy that the beast was dead. Um, unfortunately, um, pressure then came upon me from John and Nigel and Damien, who had perversely enjoyed the experience and they bonded as musicians and chums. Um, and they wanted to form a band. Um, and to do that, they needed me, basically, as, as a songwriter and a, and a frontman. And I was, I was terribly reluctant to, to do it. I didn't want to be in a band. You know, quite, quite simply, that's the, the bottom line. I didn't 
want to be in a band. It wasn't anything to do with them. But what what persuaded me that I should acquiesce to, uh, to their request to join the band was I felt um, I felt a debt of gratitude to them that they'd rehearsed without pay for all these months. You know, for something like four months, they'd rehearse weekly to play this this gig that had turned into nothing more than a squalid, violent one-off. And now they were asking me to return the favour, and I felt duty-bound to do it with some provisios. I tried to get them to change their mind by saying, I'll only do it if I can name the band. And they said, that's fine. What do you want? What do you want to call it? And I said, sheepdog trials, because I thought they'd find it stupid and say, we're not being called sheepdog trials, you know. We want to be called the, the I don't know, the school rings or something like that, something cool. But they said, no, that's fine, sheepdog trials, okay. And I said, my other proviso is that Bobby also joins. Now, they weren't keen on that, but they were keen to get me in the band and so, um, and so Bobby joined, and so we, I found myself in a band called um, Sheepdog Trials. And um, I tried, I tried to approach things very differently initially. I tried to write very kind of um, meaningless songs, almost sort of a glib, throwaway songs, which don't mean they're the bad, you know. Um, I'm, I'm th- I was going for a vibe that was more um, Little Richard than Leonard Cohen, shall we say, you know? Um, so I was, I was initially I was trying to write these sort of throwaway songs and, uh, again, that, that morph because you find yourself with things to say and um, writing songs is a great way of saying them. And so, so the material sort of morphed into more meaningful um, diatribes about things. And, and we were going along quite quite nicely play, playing gigs and having fun. And against my better judgment, I was kind of enjoying it. Um, and then we got, we got offered a gig by, by a man who is a friend of mine called Phil Fitzpatrick. And Phil was a big Clash fan. And to I think it was um, the first anniversary commemorating Joel Strummer's death. Um, and Phil put on this gig, again, at the Witchwood, ticket only, I think with about five bands playing their own set, but he asked everybody to include a couple of Clash-related numbers as a tribute to, to Joel Strummer. And there was this huge sort of uh, well, well of emotion that I didn't know existed towards the Clash at, at this point. You know, uh, I mean, I'd seen Joe Strummer playing solo and, and people seemed half interested. But all of his death, I think, had reminded people of their youth and mortality and stuff and stirred up these emotions. And so we went and played this this gig uh, for Phil, again, that was good. And, and in the aftermath of that, I know he spoke to um, Rankin Roger who, from, from The Beat and proposed to Roger, or floated the idea of a festival the year, a year after, 
Um, again, to commemorate Joel Strummer, Roger had been a big friend of Joel Strummer's, and would the beat play? And Roger said yes. So he'd got a headline act, all sorted out, and momentum and enthusiasm and goodwill. And so from this gig at, um, at the Witchwood, uh, what came to be known as the uh, Strummer Camp Festival was formed that has run to this day. And, and, and I mean, I've played, obviously, we played that event as um, a sheepdog trial, played uh, Strummer Camp uh, as Sick Nurse, played Strummer Camp as Kill Pretty, played Strummer Camp as the Hamsters, and played Strummer Camp as Four Candles, you know. Uh, it's it's a lovely, lovely festival and a credit to everybody who's involved. Uh, but it all sprang from this night in the Witchwood. So we played our set, but the songs that we learned um, were 1977, which was the sort of anthemic, rabble-rousing uh, call to arms that everything was going to change. Uh, that we believed for, for about 30 seconds from the clash before they decided that actually um, they didn't want to throw Elvis Beetle and the Rolling Stones, that they liked them all along and they wanted to be just like them and uh, be big rock stars in America. Um, so we played 1977 and we also played a song that the clash themselves had covered. We played I Fought the Law by the Bobby Fuller Four. Uh, Bobby Fuller, of course, uh, was a real punk rocker and uh, tragically got shot to death. Anyway, that's what we did. So would you like to hear them? Are you ready? Let's have some punk rock. 1977 by The Clash and I Fought the Law by the Bobby Fuller 4. Oh, yeah.
Okay, my droogies, um, that brings us to um, the closing segment of uh, this uh, episode of the continuing saga of Flowing Backwards. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it. You are, uh, as I constantly remind you, what it's all about, uh, the friendship that is transmitted over these weird sort of uh, computery, radio wavy things uh, that I don't understand at all. Uh, never ceases to amaze me. Uh, I'm always very touched uh, that people tell me how much they've enjoyed these shows and how much they value them. So have your say, um, get involved, get into it. Keep on doing it, as James Brown might have said. Um, it's goodbye from me for the time being, and it's goodbye to Phil. It's good. Is, is Helen okay, Phil? I've not asked you. All right. All right. It's it's goodbye to Helen, who is fine, thankfully, and uh, cheery bubbles. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. And goodbye to you as well, Ian. Thank you very much for yet another brilliant podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time listening to it and want the music good as well, eh? Hmm. I could sit all night listening to tunes like that. But back to business. Don't forget, flow backwards on Facebook. Leave us some comments. Have your say. Tell us what you think. Maybe you enjoyed it, maybe you didn't. And I, uh, I'm going to apologise now for uh, the mishap with the last episode. Uh, from now on, I'm going to be posting links to uh, iTunes, to Spotify, Google, and whatever else we put our podcast onto, um, so that there'll be no confusion over how to play it. Okay. Um, thank you very much for listening. This is me saying goodbye to you. Goodbye. Oh, and I forgot another thing. Here's Tom. <laughs> I was always uh, kind of one who liked to consider myself kind of a, a pioneer of the palate, a restaurateur, if you will. Uh, I've wine, dined, sipped, and supped in some of the most demonstrably beamer, epitomable bistros in the Los Angeles metropolitan region. Uh, yeah, I've had strange-looking patty melts at norms. I've had dangerous field cutlets with the copper penny. Well, what you get is a, a breaded Salisbury steak and a shaken bake and topped with a provocative sauce of Velveeta and uh, half and half. <laughs> Smothered with Campbell's tomato soup. <laughs> Thank you.
see, I had kind of a, uh, well, I ordered my veal cutlet, Christ, it left the plate, and it walked down the end of the counter, and Waitress, waitress, same I read. Boy, she wearing those rhinestone glasses with a little pearl thing clip on a sweater. A veal cutler come down, try to beat the shit out of my cup of coffee, but <laughs> coffee just wasn't strong enough to defend itself. <laughs> Nighthawks at the diner. Hammers 49er There's a rendezvous of strangers Around a cafe in the night All the gypsy hacks and the insomniacs Now the paper's been read Now the waitress said Eggs and sausages and a side of toast a Coffee and a roll Hash browns are what you eat in a bowl with burgers and fries What kind of pie? It's a graveyard charade It's a late shit masquerade And it's two for a quarter Dime for a dance Woolworth rhinestone diamond earrings and a sideways glance Now the register rings Now the waitress sings Eggs and sausage Side of toast Copy and a roll Hash browns over easy Chilling up old Nicotine cloud as the touch of your fingers lingers burning in my memory. I pen 86 from your ski. Now I'm in a melodramatic nocturnal scene. Now I'm a refugee from a disconcerted affair. Now the lead pipe morning falls. Waitress called eggs and sausage. Now side of toast, coffee and roll, hash browns over easy, chili in a bowl with burgers and fries. Now what kind of pie? Alamo. 
if you will Just coming at you in a crowd Had some time to kill See, I just come in to join the crowd Had some time to kill Just coming at you in a crowd Cause I had some time To kill